Today, we're going to focus on governance, the G in ESG. Whilst metrics for measuring environmental behaviours are as deep as they are wide, good governance is often perceived as being too subjective to measure with quite so much certainty. Is this true or is it a myth? I'm delighted to say we're joined on the podcast today by Alex Heinsen, who is the Chief Risk and Sustainability Officer at Argo Group, the former chair of the board of both the Institute of Risk Management and the Operational Risk Insurance Consortium. He recently wrote on his LinkedIn profile, the, typic, the typical chief risk officer's inbox is pretty full these days. Gone are the days of simply overseeing the implementation of a risk management framework and helping the board to manage within risk appetite. In order to add value at the executive table, CROs need to be playing attack, how do we harness opportunities, as well as defense, how do we mitigate threats? So lots to discuss there. Welcome to the ESG podcast, Alex. Thank you. Let, let's start by defining governance and risk management. And, and do tell me about your role at Argo. No problem. So as you said, I am the Chief Risk and Sustainability Officer at Argo Group. Argo is an international specialty insurer. I've been there for about six years. And the sustainability bit has uh, grown. Uh, and we'll t- obviously talk about that in a minute. In terms of governance, governance is basically how organisations manage themselves and it's housekeeping that nobody is particularly interested in until it goes wrong. But it is quite important in terms of uh, dealing with the basic problem in companies, which is that there's a separation between the shareholders and the management and the board because the shareholders are spread out and they, they don't control the company day to day. So they need to, they need to know that things are being done properly uh, to look after their interests. In terms of risk management, it's really about making choices uh, and making the the uncertainty that's inherent in business decisions visible. Now, this isn't meant to sound rude, but isn't governance rather boring in comparison to its more glamorous environment and social ESG sisters? (laughs) Well, as I said, I I think having good governance and good risk management is a, a basic uh, requirement which can be forgotten but the way I would describe it is if you have really good risk management you have the confidence to take decisions and a really good analogy is driving a Formula One car um, you will drive a lot lot faster down the straight if you know you've got good brakes when it comes to the corner so I think that's that's really what it's about and if I can just describe how we um, explain this internally we actually have given all our stuff little coffee mats to uh, with our, our basic risk management framework on. And the principles that we're trying to push are that risks are made visible, that risks are discussed and understood, that risks are owned, and that appropriate actions are taken so that we learn from our risk taking. And, and that's trying to get it down to a nutshell. What have been the steps then in practice you actually go through to establish an ESG strategy? And I'm interested, um, and I apologise for calling governance boring, of course not. How do you measure progress? Sure. So um, I think, in all honesty, uh, I've come up with a, a route map for implementing an ESG strategy, but some of it I would have loved to have known when I started, because <laughs> this is a post post-implementation rationalization. I think the, mo- the first step is really, and it's the same with risk management, 
uh, people jump into identifying and assessing risks, but you need to think about your context. So what is your ESG context? Who, you, who are your key stakeholders and why are they important? And what are the threats and opportunities around ESG that your organization is facing? I think then you can start setting an ESG strategy. And I think the most important thing is, is what is your ambition? Where do you want to be on ESG? How important is it to you? It doesn't have to be the most important thing to your organization, but you, you need to have that honest discussion about it and set, set it in the context of your strategy, your purpose and your culture. Then you can move into the program, which is what are my priorities and objectives? Who's accountable and have I got their buy-in? And lastly, the monitoring and measurement. Okay, what are my key performance indicators and what do I want to disclose? Now, bringing all that to sort of the present, how has the COVID pandemic and the increasing use of tech, for example, and remote working affected ESG as a whole, in your opinion, and, and risk management specifically? Well, I think um, a huge uh, focus of ESG in the past has been on the environment. And I think the last 24 months has really brought the S, the social part, out. Um, and I think there's there are many factors here, not just COVID, but also um, some of the social unrest that followed uh, Black Lives Matter, Me Too. I think there's there's a lot of focus on health and well-being, and uh, particularly mental health with um, you know remote working people uh, trying to juggle young families or, or care commitments. And I think it's brought out a focus on culture, on the cohesion of the organization, and ultimately what is its purpose and, and why do people feel engaged and committed? And I think this has really given a, a boost to the whole diversity and inclusion element of ESG. So a, a dreadful two years in the main for the whole planet, but actually, um, some good has come out of it with that look, I think, on, as you well, say. Well, I, 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 yes, I think we're looking for sort, um, silver linings and clouds here, but <laughs> to put it into context, but I think it, it, what, it do, what it's done is made it really practical mm. and relevant because, uh, you know, you can have a, a flexible working policy or, and you can talk about uh, bringing, bringing the whole, you know, uh, work and uh, life into balance, but we've actually had to live through it, which, which makes it a lot more tangible. Mm. So are looking now at the, at the actual practical implementation of, of good governance, are, are risk management and governance regulations universal around the world, or is there a movement to unify metrics globally? Um, and, and I'm wondering whether the metrics such as they are, um, are, are identifiable by sector or by country. Um, do each different sectors have their own set of standards? Insurance, for example. Yes, I, th I think that there isn't really a, a global standard for either. Um, governance has grown up largely through stock exchange requirements. Right. And, um, you know, we can point to the UK being an early leader in this with... Um, London Stock Exchange corporate governance requirements that have developed probably over 25 years. Um, unfortunately, it was driven by early scandals, <laughs> of yes. which there were a number in the in the 1990s. But I, I think you see strong corporate governance standards in, in most developed countries. Um, 
but they are they are definitely driven by local uh, culture and standards. So, so there isn't a uniformity there. Um, from a risk management point of view, there are two recognized standards in the world. Uh, there's a ISO standard, ISO 31000 for risk management, which is a recognized standard. Mm. And, um, but not surprisingly, the United States tends to go its own way. And there is a COSO standard for enterprise risk management, which is very well respected in the US. And they, they have been revived and they are getting closer, but they do have a different emphasis. Mm. Uh, from, a, from a financial services point of view, there are governance and risk management requirements. And um, in insurance, it's largely been driven by the Solvency II regulations that came in uh, about 10 years ago in Europe. And uh, not surprisingly, following the banking crisis, there were a lot of banking regulations. Now, looking at those regulations, who, who do you think should impose them on a business? I mean, who, is, who are the biggest players in, in devising an ESG strategy and, and deploying it? Is it, is it the employees? Is it the, is it the board? Is it the shareholders, the regulators, or even international governments? Yes, I, I think from a, from a broad governance point of view, it has been shareholders and stock exchanges uh, with a difference in finance, in financial services with the regulators taking a strong lead. I think with ESG, um, the, the jury's still out. There are a lot of stakeholders. There are quite a few standards and there are um, a number of ESG indices out there. So I, I would say the um, shareholders are still kind of pushing the uh, stock exchange and regulators are moving quite fast, particularly on climate. But um, actually, when you look at, you stand back and you, you look at it, um, it, it is actually customers and employees who have the ultimate say because they're, they're the people that will uh, support your business or not, depending on mm. whether they, they buy into your values. So, so who do you think um, should be responsible for impl implementing ESG? I mean, do you think we, all organisations should have a head of ESG, for example? Um, I, I don't think that that's realistic, depending on the scale of the organisation. Of course, right. Um, I think there should be somebody on the board who takes the lead on it, and this should be somebody in the management who takes the lead on it. And depending on the scale of the organization, that may require a dedicated resource or a, or a function. But uh, in, in smaller organizations, it's just not going to be realistic. And, and that's partly why I've, I've got a dual role, because we, we don't, we're not at a scale that we have a large sustainability function. You, you're going to explain that a little bit more as well, actually. And I just wondered whether we could perhaps link that to what you think is going to happen, say, in the next two years? Sure. Yes, so I, I think what we've tried to do is put ESG into the context of our business. We are, we are a business-to-business -business insurance company. ESG is important, but it, it has a different flavor and context than if we were uh, a, a motor insurer dealing with the general public. So the, the, the nature of what we're doing means that it, it's actually quite a technical subject. We have... Um, environmental exposures to climate because we ensure property risks. 
we are looking at the uh, ESG profile of our investments because insurance companies basically operate on the basis of collecting the premiums now and paying the claims later. So they have to invest the assets in between. And, you know, our choices are, are do have an ESG footprint. So that, that's the context of our company. In terms of what I expect to happen in the next couple of years, I expect to see more regulation and stock exchange disclosure requirements on a mandatory basis. I expect to see investors and, and proxy advisors who work with them uh, continue to drive up voluntary disclosure expectations. And I think the, the challenge is um, actually managing as an organization, managing those demands because my uh, description of what I would see as a worst case is each of these stakeholders asking for almost the same information at almost the same time in almost the same way so that you have multiple reporting requirements and um, the danger is that we spend more time reporting than actually doing and I think that 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 is my concern is that we we get drawn away from you know making making a difference to demonstrating we're making a difference <laughs> And with small organizations having the bandwidth to do both is, is a particular challenge. I think that's a brilliant observation. Um, and I'm, I'm going to ask uh, one last question, actually, then related to that. If you were advising the management of a small or a medium sized enterprise, what would you suggest with the, th the three practical steps they could take to set out on their journey to establishing a, an ESG plan? Okay, so I, I think um, this might not work in every case because it obviously depends on uh, organization stakeholders. But I think there are three really simple things people can do. Um, I think if we start with governance, um, irrespective of the size of the organization, whether it's public or private, just being able to demonstrate what the role of the board, the role of the management, and that there are appropriate controls it is a great start because it gives people confidence to support and invest in the business. Um, I think the second point is look at your greenhouse gas emissions. Um, everybody uh, has premises, uh, everybody travels. Uh, we should be able to get good quality information on utility consumption, and that will give you the ability to measure your uh, emissions and um, then the next step is really to think, well, is, is, the, is this an appropriate level of emissions? Should I be thinking about changes such as using uh, renewable energy? And, and that starts you on the journey. And lastly, think about your staff, think about diversity and inclusion statistics, think about things like gender pay gap, and think about disclosing that even if you don't have a legal requirement to do so, because it will help with re retaining and attracting talent. I said brilliant twice, but I thought that was, that was brilliant. Uh, very helpful. I, I love particularly as well, we're working remotely and you can hear the birdsong in the background. <laughs> Something you probably wouldn't have given, given credence to if we'd both been in the office uh, this morning. Um, and, and who knew that governance was really um, a metaphor for putting brakes on the Formula One vehicle. I think that's a terrific way of, of looking at it. And I've also learned something, and I suspect a lot of us would as well, I've got an immediate action to create some um, coffee mats with uh, key messages for all my team. Um, we can change them, of course, on a regular basis, so long as well we make sure that they're recyclable uh, coffee mats. 
but so but very much thank you very much for that alex i thought that was fascinating and i wasn't really sure what i was letting myself in for when we did a whole you know, a whole old podcast on governance um but the clocks caught us up again uh, so we'll have to wrap, wrap this up um so thank you listeners for listening um if this is the first esg foundation podcast that you've heard um do check out the other ones on uh, youtube spotify or apple play um we've now got uh, i think 24 up altogether um, and there are also lots of resources if you're thinking of writing your first ESG report um, on our website, which is esgfoundation.org. Um, and there's a growing archive of ESG reports if you're interested in seeing how others have done it. So do take a look. And if your ESG report, which you've written, isn't listed on there, do send us over the link so we can put it up on the website. ESG is a fascinating and evolving subject. So I do hope you'll come back again, Alex. And in the meantime, uh, thank you very much for your time today. Thanks everyone again for listening. And if you found this podcast of value, tell your friends and colleagues.